You're listening to the Trace Church Rock Rimmon Podcast. All right. Well, good morning, Trace. How are we doing this morning? How's everybody doing? Everybody feeling good? Glad you're here. Hey, guys, really quick, just to piggyback off of that, today's the last day to register for that. Some of you have said you've had to work or different things like that. Uh, there's guys that will be coming up Saturday, so if you can't make it just because of Friday, make sure you know that you can still come up Saturday. Everybody's doing it. Like, you got, just make sure it happens. I feel like I'm trying to sell drugs now. Like, first time's free. Like, I don't know what I'm supposed to say, but just do it. Make sure it happens. Um, come to the VIP room after our time in here, and if you want to get registered again, last day to register is the day, we can get you signed up for that. Well, uh, man, I'm super just excited to have each and every one of you in here. I do want to say welcome to all of you in this room. I want to say welcome to those that are watching online, but especially if you're a guest with us, joining us for the first time. We're thrilled, truly. It's an honor for us that you're a part of this. Uh, I do have one small favor to ask of you. Before you leave today, if you wouldn't mind filling out that connection card in the seat back pocket in front of you, take it to guest services. Uh, I'll be out there. I would truly, like sincerely, I'd love the opportunity to meet you. And so hopefully you'll take me up on that. Well, hey, I want to do something that I don't normally do. Um, I actually want to give you a heads up of a series we're going to be starting in three weeks. Um, It's going to be called Gospel. Now, we've been praying and been, been preparing a lot for this particular series. And it came out of kind of an experience that I've had here recently that I'll talk more about when we get into that series. But uh, here's why I want you to know that now. Um, As followers of Jesus, and I understand that everybody in this room is a follower of Jesus, and if that's you, man, we're glad you're here. Continue to come. You can belong here before you believe. Uh, But for those of us that follow Jesus, I think it's an essential part of our faith that we know how to explain the gospel. It's an essential part of our faith, but I also know that many of you probably still don't feel comfortable with explaining the gospel. In other words, if somebody sat down with you and said, hey, can you just explain what, what is the gospel? Like, why was Jesus necessary? You might not be able to articulate it. And so one of the things we want to accomplish in this series is to help you to be able to articulate it. And so we're going to go through the gospel. Like, why was it necessary? Why was Jesus necessary? And you probably know this, but the gospel was always meant to be something that not only we learned about, but something that we lived out. It was something that we were supposed to show others, but also be experiencing ourselves. And so Uh, We're going to put a specific tool in your hand in that series that we believe will be incredibly practical and simple, but also effective when it comes to explaining what the gospel is. Our Trace kids will be going through something similar, and so we want to make sure that you have your kids here for that entire series, as well as we believe, again, it's going to be really effective. And for those of you that, like, maybe you have a friend, a family member, a neighbor, a coworker, and maybe you've had, you know, a a question asked of you where it's like, like, why is Jesus necessary? Like, what's the big deal about Christianity? What's the big deal about the cross and the crucifixion and all that kind of stuff? Get them to this series. We think this is going to be an incredible series for your lost friends to come and join us maybe for the first time. Sound good? All right. Well, hey, today we are kicking off a two-week series called Grit. And I want to set up the next two weeks because I'm going to be doing something in this next two weeks that is different from anything that I've ever done before in the past since we started Trace Church. Today, I'm specifically, and next week, I'm specifically going to be talking to the men of this church. Now, let me be really clear. This doesn't mean that everybody else can just get up and leave um, now, because I really do believe this series is for everyone, even though I'm specifically going to be speaking to the men of this church. But again, let me be clear. This series, it's a two-week series. It's for wives. It's for moms raising boys. It's for single ladies that are thinking that they would like to end up with the right man one day. I think I can say that this series really is for everyone, but fellas, let me give you a heads up. I'm specifically going to be talking to you. And the reason that I'm doing this and the reason why I think it's necessary is because, guys, I believe God has given us a unique type of influence. It's not a better influence. It doesn't separate us from like the value from a man or woman or nothing like that, but I believe he's given us a unique type of influence. And with this unique type of influence comes 
responsibility. And I'm not going like, to make this a sermon that's full of statistics, but I do want to give you one statistic that I believe will share and to you know, really help us to see and illustrate uh, how this unique influence is played out in our culture today. Here's what I would share with you. If in the family dynamics, if there's a kid who comes to faith in Jesus, there's a 13% chance that the rest of the family will become committed followers of Christ. If there's a mom who becomes uh, a follower of Jesus, there's a 27% chance that the rest of the family will follow and become committed followers of Jesus. But if the father becomes a committed follower of Jesus, 93% of the time, the rest of the family will follow. It's not better. It's not about like us having, you know, it's like guys are better and, you know, we're more awesome or anything like that. We just have a unique type of influence. And ladies, I think you get this, don't you? Because the amount of impact that your father has had on you or maybe currently has on you, like, you know, you get this. Like, it goes deep. But I want to be clear what this next two weeks isn't. This next two weeks won't be sermons that have kind of hints of sexism to diminish the role of women in the home and society or in the church. And just so you know, ladies, up front, I believe women should lead in each of those areas. But to diminish this unique type of influence that men have would also put all of us at a disadvantage. But let me lead with this statement right here, just so we're all on the same page. It doesn't have anything to do with about importance. Influence is not the same as importance. We're all equal in importance, but we're different in influence. And just because I don't want, like I really do want to hit this topic well, and I don't want anyone to walk out of here hearing something that was never meant to be heard or something I didn't mean to say, what I think would be valuable for us is just to have a moment of teaching. And what I want to do is I want to build a biblical construct for us when it comes to kind of the value of men and women when it comes to God's word. And so let me begin in Genesis chapter 1. It says, so God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And so men and women were created in the image of God. And I don't have time to go through all the scriptures, but there are times where we will see God in a very masculine way. And there are also times when God is represented in a feminine way. In Galatians chapter 3, we read, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for we are all one. Everybody say one. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. Now, in Ephesians, Paul does distinguish some things that when it, comes to the, when it comes to the family and specifically the dynamics between husbands and wives, historically what I think we've done when we, read, when we read this passage that we're about to read is that we've viewed it through a lens that actually devalues the wife. But I think we ha- we've had a tendency to do that historically because we've read it out of context. And so I want to read it to you today. And again, I'm just kind of building a biblical construct for this conversation. In Ephesians 5, 5 Paul begins this way. He says, And further... Submit to one another out of reverence for, for Christ. For wives, this means submit to your husbands. Those are fighting words for some ladies, isn't it, right there? For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Now, keep it there, Julie. One of the things that we miss oftentimes when we read this is the very first sentence. And further, submit to one another. So is that just meant for the women, or was that meant for women and men? I believe it's meant for women and men. This is mutual submission. So Paul says, and further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. For wives, this means, what's he pointing back to? This means, this means is pointing back to the submit to one another. For wives, this means, this, in other words, the mutual submission. For wives, this means 
Submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Next slide. For as a husband is a, the head of his wife, as Christ is the head of the church. Now, again, this, is, this has been fighting words in the past. And historically, there have been a lot of men and even just churches in general that have kind of taken these passages to use them as domineering. That the man is better, that the man is the ruler, if you will. And I think we're taking it out of context because we don't read it in context. If you've never heard me say this, this is worth taking away today. A verse can never mean what it never meant. The only meaning that a verse can have is the meaning that the author intended for it to have when he was inspired by the Holy Spirit from the time that he wrote it down. It can't have any other meaning. So let's read this in context. For a husband is the head of his wife as Christ. So now, God, or I'm sorry, Paul is giving us a reference point. What does it mean for a husband to be the head of his wife? Well, Paul says, let me give you the reference. As Christ is a head of the church. So how was Christ the head of the church? Through domineering? Through listen to what I say, do what I tell you, submit, woman. No, I mean, you know, it's none of that. Don't get no amens. Be careful with amen. You didn't say amen. But. <clears throat> no, Christ was the head of the church through what? Love. Love. Sacrifice. And serving. And so, guys, yes, we are the head of our wives, but through what context? through paving the way through sacrifice and service. Let me read to you. Oh, actually, just go to the next slide, 25. For a husbands, for husbands, this means, again, so what's this, this means? He's pointing back to the mutual submission verse that we started with. For husbands, this means love your wives, just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. Now I want to read to you this very same passage in the paraphrase of what's called the message. It's not a translation, but the message is a paraphrase. Many of you have read the Bible uh, through this paraphrase, but let me read to you the way that it says it. It says, Husbands, go all out in love for your wives, exactly as Christ did for the church, a love marked by giving, not getting. Christ's love makes the church whole. His words evoke her beauty. Everything he does and says, don't miss this because I'm going to piggyback on it, everything he does and says is designed to bring the best out of her. Fellas, listen to me. What we do and what we say, it matters. It matters. And to be clear, I'm not just talking to husbands. I'm talking to all the men in this room. And this unique influence that God has given us has the ability, listen to me, it has the ability to build others up and make them better or to tear and wear others down and leave wounds, which is why Almost all of us in here are very familiar with something called the father wound. Maybe not just because we've heard it, but because we've also experienced it. And it's for this reason that I want to challenge every man in here today to use this influence, this unique influence wisely, to be good stewards of it. Because we must realize the impact of our words, our strength, our presence, and the impact of what we do and how it affects others around us, especially for those of us that have kids. And fellas, I honestly believe that we are fooling ourselves. We are fooling ourselves to ever think that we can do this on our own. And by this, I mean we are fooling ourselves to ever think that we can leverage our unique influence for the greatest amount of impact by trying to do it on our own. I believe it's going to take God. I believe it's going to take other strong guys that are pursuing God. And I believe it's going to take grit. 
Now, you've likely heard of this you know, word at some point along the way, and you've likely seen some different definitions. Let me give you one of my favorite definitions of the word grit. Grit is looking at the longer-term goals of life with a deeper passion and a perseverance to get better. In other words, grit is having the foresight and the emotional intelligence to look into the future and determine that that's where I want to be, that's who I want to become, and so I'm going to have to make some decisions now with passion and perseverance to grow because when I get there, I want my kids to say this about me. I want my friends to say this about me. I want my church to say this about me. I want my wife to say this about me. But in order for that to become a reality, it can't just be good intentions, right? Unfortunately, I'm watching way too many guys these days that are just kind of settling for the status quo. They're, they're starting to fall into this thing called complacency, or maybe they're getting caught up in the culture, like this current of this culture pulling them into some other purpose outside of what God has called them to be and outside of this unique influence that God has called them to leverage for his benefit. And it happens to all of us, fellas. It happens to all of us, and all of us would probably say, right? All of us, all of us men in here would probably say, but I've got the best of intentions. Listen to me. The best of intentions will get you at this exact same place at this exact same time next year being the exact same man. That's what the best of intentions will get you. What has to happen is we have to put some real action steps in place. We need to surround ourselves by other godly men that are pursuing him with grit with a passion and with a perseverance to become maybe what we're not now, but what we could be with the help of other men, with the help of our Father. I love in her book, Grit, and I would encourage you to pick this book up if you want to read it. Angela Duckworth said this, nobody wants to show you that hours and hours of becoming, they'd rather show you the highlight of what they've become. When I meet with... Um, Men from time to time, and some of you I've done this with, I'll meet with other guys, and I do. And the reason I call it foundational coaching is because I, I like to use these four things right here, and it kind of becomes a foundation. And the reason I use these four categories is because as long as I've been doing this, I've noticed that this is where people tr typically have the most failures, but it's also where they find the most fulfillment. And so we start with these four areas that kind of build a foundation for our life. And what I'll ask them is, hey, which of these areas for you right now, and guys, go ahead and look at this and determine this for yourself. Which of these areas for you right now do you feel like you're the weakest or maybe you'd like the most help with? Where do you feel like you need to grow the most? And once they, they pick one of these areas, that's the area that I'll start with. And then I have them go through an exercise. And you can, you can do this exercise on your own. So let's say, you know, it was faith. What do you want people to say about you five years from now? What would you like to hear someone say about you five years from now when it comes to your faith? And I want you to write those things down. About four or five st statements, just write them down. What would you want others to say about you because it's become true for your life that you would want others to say about you? Now, to give you some practical examples, I'll give you what I would hope people could say about me. I'll give you one in each of these areas. In my faith, I hope people could say this, Aaron is real. And not only is he committed to his own faith, but helping to grow the faith of others. I hope that people see that so much in my life that they just naturally say that about me. That's what I hope five years from now. In my family, I hope people could say this, Aaron always puts his family first. It's not true right now. He sacrificially loves Emily and is intentional about spending time with each of his kids. It's true sometimes, but I would want it to be so consistent in my life that others actually observe this about me five years from now. 
In five years, I would hope people could say this about my finances. Aaron won the lottery. (laughs) Aaron and Emily are the most generous people I know. We're working towards it. In my friendships, I hope people could say this. Aaron's friendship has made me a better father, a better friend, and a better husband. But fellas, here's what I know. If I want these things to become a reality, and if you want your things to become a reality when it comes to this foundation for your life, it's going to take grit. It's going to take growing in responsibility, in intentionality, and in tenacity. Responsibility because we have a unique type of influence that we must leverage for the greatest impact. Intentionality because our greatest areas of influence and impact will not happen passively. And tenacity, because when it comes to the areas that matter the most in our lives, it's going to take a fight, fellas. And I'm not going to talk a whole lot about this one today, and I want to go ahead and right now invite you to come back next week, because next, next week I'm going to talk about this tenacity piece. And I'm going to talk about how there are three battles in the life of every man that we have to consistently stay in the fight. Consistently stay in the fight, because if you ever throw in the towel, not, not only will that be a compromise, that you make, but it will affect people around you to a great extent. So next week, we're going to talk about these three battles that we all face as men that we need to make sure that we never stop fighting. But let me do this. Let me slow down really quick. Because it's possible that you're a man in here right now, and you've already disqualified yourself from being an influential man. Maybe it's because of a past failure. Maybe it's because you're currently compromised in the sin. And if that's you, I want to read to you from Romans chapter 6 really quick when Paul says, Do not let sin control the way that you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely. And maybe that's the step that's been missing for your life. Completely. Give your whole body. I'm sorry. Give yourselves completely to God. For you were dead. But now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument. Leverage every bit of that unique influence that God has given you, men, to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. You know what that means? It is not too late for you. I don't care what you've done. And I'm not saying that to dismiss what you've done, or maybe what you're currently doing, but I promise you through the grace of God and who Jesus is, it is not too late. It's not too late for you. In other words, failure is not a permanent condition. And somebody needs to write that down today. Failure is not a permanent condition. And if failure is not a permanent condition, listen to me, listen to me. If failure is not a permanent condition, then you have to stop using failures as the filter for your future effectiveness. Your Heavenly Father doesn't use that filter for you. So why should we? But maybe this actually brings up something that we need to wrestle with. Maybe this brings up a question that we need to address this morning. How do we or how are you measuring the effectiveness of a man? How are you specifically measuring the effectiveness of you as a man? I mean, we all know the stereotypes, right? Maybe it's some guy that plays sports. Did we lose it? Got guys like Michael Jordan, right? The GOAT is what I often hear him. Who's better, Michael Jordan or... What's the other guy? I mean, yeah, LeBron James, that's it. I couldn't even think of it. Yeah, if you say LeBron James, you can find another church. Uh, 
All right, maybe it was Bo Jackson, man. He was my, I loved this guy growing up. He could play both football and baseball. I mean, that's a real man, right? Or maybe for you, it's somebody more like this, The Rock, right? I mean, just all swole, all, just crazy, crazy fit. Or maybe, maybe the most quintessential guy right here, the Duke, right? Yeah, John Wayne. Who is it for you, though? Maybe it's not any of these guys. Maybe for you, it's maybe like a Navy SEAL that's the ideal man or some kind of martial artist, some person in UFC, or maybe just theoretically for you, like the ideal man is a pastor who's been growing out his beard and just the picture of a perfect man, <coughs> theoretically speaking. <coughs> some, of you, some of you, let me get off on a tangent. Some of, you, <coughs> some of you guys are funny. Um, you've come up to me and it's like, you're just so subtle about it. Like, how long are you going to grow that out? Like, how, like, just curious. I mean, it looks fine, but like, how long? How long? <laughs> yeah, I want to remind you that in uh, 1 Aaron 3.16, that the longer the beard, the wiser the man. <clears throat> so you can read that later. I am growing it out to, until the men's retreat, just so you know. My wife's in here, and she, I needed to reaffirm that for her. I will be trimming it back after the men's retreat. <laughs> I think you know this. I hope you know this. God doesn't care about all that macho crap. He looks at something completely different. And we actually see this in 1 Samuel uh, chapter 16. I'll kind of set this up really quick. Uh, in 1 Samuel, Samuel ch chapter 16, um, Samuel, who is a prophet of God, hears from God, and God says, Hey, Samuel, I'm going to I'm going to take away my favor from the current king, which was King Saul, and I'm going to remove my presence from his life, and he no longer has my anointing. And so here's what I need you to do, Samuel. I need you to go to Bethlehem. And when you go to Bethlehem, you're going to find this guy named Jesse, and he's got a few sons, and I'm going to, I'm going to pick the next king. I'm going to anoint the, the new king, and it, it will be one of his sons. And so Samuel lands, arrives in Bethlehem, and here's what it says in 1 Samuel chapter 16. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands before me. I mean, in other words, let me paraphrase, like, now this is a man. I mean, this guy's got it all. His stature, I mean, he's built. He's probably a part of, like, CrossFit Bethlehem. I mean, this guy's got it together. And it's like, you know, from everything from the outside looking in, it's like, this, this is it. God, I, I found him. This is it. But the Lord said to Samuel, did not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things that people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the what? The heart. But you still could be a dude in here. And your response to that is, well, Aaron, I think that's my problem. I think my heart is bad. And if that's you, I want you to write this psalm down, and I want you to memorize it this week. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Well, and that may sound good for all the other guys in here, but you truly just don't know what I've done, and you truly don't know where I've been, and all the mistakes that I've made. This, this is just not for me. I'm going to get in your face this morning and tell you this. Stop making excuses. Stop making excuses. God has given you everything you need to follow through on everything he's asked you to do. Let me say it one more time. God has given you everything that you need, men, to do what he has asked you and wants you to do. But do you know why I think sometimes we're so quick to dismiss our own influence? To kind of count ourselves out? 
It's because we don't have enough other men in our lives that are affirming things within us. And I want to spend some time on this. I've shared several times from this stage that one of the most pivotal moments of my life came on the other end of a man by the name of John Edwards who decided to be interruptible. And he began to speak into my life and he began to make himself available in my life and he began to see things within me and he began to call things out of me, something that had never happened in the course of my life. And he began to call things out of me and he, he used what, I often to, what we often refer to as the most important letters in the alphabet and it's this right here, I see in you. I see in you, I see something in you, I see it, I see it. I see in you. Man, I want to challenge you this week to be really intentional in this area because I often think this is an area that we overlook and it has so much more influence than we could ever imagine. I promise you it does. And so what I want to challenge you to do specifically, and I want every man in here to do this with one other man, I want you to notice something that is noble. When you see something that is noble in another man's life, I want you to call it out and let him know. Seriously. I want every man in here to do that this week. If you're a woman, you can do this as well. If you see a man giving it all for his family, let him know. If you recognize a man confessing his sin and staying in the fight for his purity, let him know. If you see another man being intentional as a father, call it out, let him know. A young man honoring his girlfriend by keeping good boundaries, let him know. If you, see another, if you see another man serving his wife sacrificially, call it out and let him know. And if you see another man rooting against the Green Bay Packers, affirm that wisdom. <laughs> I love picking on Packer fans. Listen to me, because I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drill down on this just a little bit more. And this is for everybody, okay? It's not hard to make sacrifices when you can see the significance in it. And sometimes we as men, we just need to be reminded. Sometimes we just need to be encouraged. Because what makes it hard sometimes is when we feel like we're giving it at all. Trust me, trust me, ladies, sometimes we're doing our best. We're trying. But when no one, no one seems to care. Now listen, it doesn't mean we're doing it for the thank yous. We should never do it for the thank yous. But it helps. It helps. So gentlemen, Today I'm calling you out. More importantly, I'm calling you up into a deeper purpose to leverage this unique influence that God has given us and to pursue growth and responsibility and intentionality and in tenacity because there's a lot more people depending on us than we think. And God has given us this unique type of influence for a reason. In other words, it was never meant to be wasted, but it was meant to be used with wisdom. So, fellas, let's stop making excuses. And if you need a do-over, through Jesus you have it. If you need some help and you need some guidance, ask for it. If you need God to clean up your heart because you're currently compromised in a sin, confess it. But it's time to step up. It's time for us to lead the way in both sacrifice and in service. It's time for us to look into the future with a deeper passion and perseverance to grow in responsibility, intentionality, and in tenacity, which means we're not going to settle, are we? And we're going to choose our words wisely 
And we're going to stay in the fight against temptation. And when we see strength in other men, we're going to call it out because we need each other's encouragement. And so let me close in this way. If you're a man in here today and you're ready to, you're ready to step up, you're ready to step into a deeper sense of calling, you're ready to look into the future with a deeper level of passion and perseverance to grow in intentionality and responsibility and tenacity, I want you to stay on your feet right now. And I'm going to pray over us. And we're going to transition into our time of response. But, fellas, join your hearts with my words. God, we as men come before you right now. And you know where our screw-ups are. We don't need to hide them. You know where we fall short. We don't need to act like they don't exist. Some of us may even know where we're compromised in a sin currently. And so, Father, I pray that you show us what our next step in wisdom looks like. We don't have to have it all figured out today, but, God, we want to pursue this together. And as the men of Trace Church, may no one in this room ever feel like they have to go through this alone. May no one in this room ever feel like they have to hide from a struggle. But, God, that we would join arms and that we would make a commitment together that is much greater than any one of us because you have given us a unique, a unique type of influence that was meant to be leveraged for the greatest impact of your kingdom. And we would be foolish to do this alone because we need you, we need each other, and we need grit. And so, God, would you partner with us this morning as we take steps towards it? together. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. You guys can have a seat. Thanks for doing that.